welcome to another edition of the Fern Podcast on the Radio St. Pete Network. I am your host, Michael Duggar. And we're not going to talk about the weather because it's hot everywhere, it seems like. And we have a lot to fit in in this one hour that we have on the Radio St. Pete Network. Noah Hemer, how are you doing? 20-second intro, if you even need that. Uh... It's been going great here in Tallahassee, other than that the it's starting to get hot. It's allergy season, but, you know, just be like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Reds out here is at full tilt. Classes out here are full tilt. We're, we're having a great time. Um, I'm about to be on spring break. This is the last podcast before I'm on spring break, so I'm just ready to jam some stuff out. I've been waiting a long time. We've been waiting quite some time for this whole free agency and whatnot to be going down, so now that we kind of have some things rolling, it's uh, we got some we, we got some good things cooked up. Yeah, I don't think we'll be doing any... Uh... 45 minute soliloquies about random topics when we have this much to talk about like we actually we don't have a show planned for once but we have topics that we want to hit in an order how we want them so let's just jump right into it and two of people call the two best depends where you rank them two of the top receivers in football were traded in the past week and we'll get to Antonio Brown and however long it takes to get to these next two things but Odo Beckham Jr. After signing a contract, general manager David Dave Gettleman of the New York Giants says, we didn't, we didn't sign Odell to trade him. Well, you did exactly that because you, sh- you shipped him to, Cle- to the Cleveland Browns. I can't even talk. I'm still in shock about it. For Cleveland's first-round pick at number 17, overall, they're the worst of their two third-round picks in Julius, not Julius Peppers. I don't even know his name, honestly. Jabril. Jabril, yeah. So, I'm sorry, Jabril. I, you're completely invalid in all these moving heads. So, what are your thoughts? We're going to go to the Brown side of this because the Browns also added Olivier Vernon from the Giants. And they signed Sheldon Richardson. So, what are your thoughts about Odell coming to Cleveland? What are your thoughts on the price tag? what he does to this offense and where he puts Cleveland at in the AFC. I, uh, I think it catapults the Browns to the top of the division because I don't think there's going to be a team in the AFC North. That's going to have the defensive, uh, firepower to slow down what the Cleveland's going to be walking out onto the field with. I mean, you got OBJ one side, you got Jarvis in the slot. You got uh, Baker at quarterback. Uh, the only way it could get better, dude. It, like I say, the only way it could get better is if you had Pat Mahomes. But I think I still rather have Baker in Cleveland Ooh. than Pat Mahomes. Oh, we're we're not going down that rabbit hole. We are not doing that today. No. We have a lot to get to in an hour. <laughs> I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that, but I am gonna write it down. Um, on a culture fit alone, I'll leave it at that. Um, you got Nick Chubb, who was one of the best running backs, uh, statistically speaking, in terms of breaking yards, uh, yards after tackle last year, and he's going to be coming into his second year. You got Kareem Hunt, whether he's going to be suspended for six games, eight games, 10 games, 12 games, you have him in the fold at some point. You still no got games. Duke Johnson, no game. Uh, he could be out for the year. Who knows? But they still got him in the fold. Um, that defense is I mean, you got you are stacked essentially at every position, um, except for no. You're pretty much st- the D line stacked when you got uh, Olivier Vernon on one side and um, the freak on the other side. Who's the freak? What's his name? Miles Garrett on the other We're side. We're drawing blanks right now with obvious names. It's I know, crazy. I know, I know. Um, you got a new era of Freddie Kitchens coming in. Baker infuses winning into that culture. So, I mean, like, it's it's a scary offense. OBJ has made a living, has has kept Eli's job for him over the past couple years, and now you can kind of thank Saquon more so than anyone uh, for saving Eli's job, especially last year. Cleveland's scary, man. They are scary good, like, they're going to be making a run. Baltimore's going to be making a run. The Chiefs are going to be making a run. Chargers will probably make another run. Patriots will make another run, obviously. 
they're right up there in the top echelon. They, them, and the Steelers essentially just in my in my eyes just swapped places in the AFC North in terms of like firepower and potential that they have. It's going to be inter- interesting to see how Cleveland manages it more so than Pittsburgh, because we called all last season how Pittsburgh was on the decline. They were done. They were like not going to make the playoffs. Not all this stuff. Wasn't a believer. And they almost made the playoffs, but they didn't. And in terms of the tra- in terms of the trade, I can't believe that's all. Uh, that's all that Cleveland had to give up to get OBJ. That it, when I saw dra- it was you're not, a. You're, you're not going to draft the better. You're not going to draft the better player at seven, 16 or seventeen. It's seventeen. Then you then Odell Beckham. And then they got a third. That's fine. Okay. I, it's, it and is. then you got Pepper. And you and you trade away Peppers. Okay. Two the Peppers and and the third easily replaceable. And if you're looking at OBJ just for that first pick, um sorry, like you just said, you're not gonna get a better player at that at that pick. He if you put OBJ in the draft right now, he's going top five. Where I mean, there's no weaknesses on the Cleveland offense. They even signed Demetrius Harris from Kansas City. So they have two and they're athletic t- tight ends. Tight ends, yeah. And David Njoku is one of my favorite tight ends that gets underutilized every single year. Yes, so they have that. Odell is going to command so much attention. Jarvis is just going to be working the slot anyway. And Antonio Callaway is going to take a st- is going to continue to improve. Rashad Higgins, who Baker loves, like the receiving core, is. Not it's it's near the best really because of the, t- the the top duo in Landry and Beckham, but Callaway. You factor in the tight ends and the running back. The Browns went from saying you know who do they have after Landry to having one of the strongest offensive skill skill um, skill players depth in the NFL. And what what do we always say? What do every what does everyone say? You put quarter. You want to maximize when quarterbacks are on rookie contracts to pay everyone else, and put them in a good situa- good situation to exceed with great offensive minds and great offensive talent. Well, Baker has all of that now. What imagine? Okay, so Odell was playing with a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball over thirty yards consistently. He now has Baker, who has great touch. Not he's not. We have a, the deep balls there. Playing in a Freddie Kitchens head coaching system also in a Todd Munkin system that's who led to one out. the most vertical downfield attacking offenses and all he wants to do is pass the Browns are going to be it's this offense is going to be red zone gold I don't even know what what is the what's the league pass version of equivalent of the NFL what is it game pit game game pass whatever uh it's Sunday, S- Sunday ticket, ticket. The Browns are every single week a Sunday ticket. They're going to be, I guarantee you, they're going to be hosting that first Monday night football game. They're going to be on Sunday night. Every single primetime thing you can fit them on, they will be there. And it is awesome. They also have the fifth highest Super Bowl odds in the NFL. Wow. That doesn't surprise me, but because look at when you look at their roster, it's not surprising. Um, but this is everything Cleveland sacrificed over the past uh, quarterback uh, off after all those quarterbacks prior to Baker, uh, the Mansells, the world, um, the uh, the Whedons of the world. You know, um, this is this is what Cleveland's been waiting for. And like I said earlier, Cleveland could only handle one superstar, mm-hmm. and that's Baker. Well, they got two and now, OBJ. Man. I I. It's true, but Baker's still the man. Baker will continue to be the man. He he is their guy, and if I'm OBJ, I'm ecstatic because I have a so- solid team overall. Organization's on the up and come up, and I have someone that can actually get me the football. And he has his best friend in the world, and best friend in the world, college teammate. With, like he'll be with every single day at practice. You know who their wide receiver coach at, at Cleveland now is? This same wide receivers coach that was with Landry and Odell Beckham. At LSU, it is. It's gonna be. It's gonna be scary. The locker room's gonna be great. It's. It's the John Dorsey. This is the question I have. 
because you follow Evan Silva and and Warren. I don't know if you follow Warren Sharp and these guys, the analytics guys who say Sashi died for this. Sashi Brown, that is. People don't know Sashi Brown's the one who. Same thing with the NFL, the equivalent of Sam Hinkie, the 76ers, where he tanked and purposely traded away his good players to get some picks and assets. Here's the question. How much credit does Sashi Brown get for this? And I say that because I understand what he did, but the thing about him and Hinkie is when were they going to splurge on the assets? So that is my biggest question is we can say Sashi did this, but do we know Sashi would have done this? He probably would have drafted Baker. Do we know that he would have traded for an – do the analytics value a wide receiver this greatly? There's just – do the analytics value having a lot of your cat being Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, two wide receivers? Like this is a very interesting conversation that has been all over my time feed on social media, and I'm just trying to find a happy medium of the two. I mean, I give, I think you have to give credit where credit's due and they wouldn't be in the situation that they're in right now if Sashi wouldn't have gotten all that draft capital um, for them over the years. Yeah, they had their hits and their misses on their drafts, but they had so many picks that they didn't need every single pick to pan out. They just needed the, they just needed, they needed most of them to pan out. And that's what, that's what's happened for them. Um, I don't, and, but I think you got to, um, there's a difference between being able to put together what you want and then having having the salesperson uh, sales personality um, to be able to go and sell and get what you need. And I think that's what John Dorsey's done. So I think John Dorsey can thank Sashi for like, hey, thanks for putting this all together. Uh, sorry you couldn't figure it out, but um, you, left a, you left a great foundation. Um, and you can't deny the foundation that Sashi did leave. But at the same time, I don't know if they if Sashi would have pulled the trigger on what the what the Browns have been pulling the trigger on under John Dorsey. It's a it's a, it's just a, I I don't know. I feel like there's no there's just no in between with like analytics and stuff, which is why I feel like you and I are starting to rest right in between the old heads and the new heads who value the analytics, where we we value both stat and stuff like that, but. That's a great segue to the most incompetent GM in football, and that's Dave Gettleman, who in consecutive drafts has drafted running backs in the top 10, traded away Odo Beckham, continues to have Eli Manning, passes on Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Rosen for Saquon Barkley. Um, traded Odell Beckham, traded Levere Vennon, doesn't... Franchise tag at an $11 million rate, Landon Collins lets him walk to Washington and then trades for Jabril Peppers, and their other free agent signings don't port, point to a team rebuilding. So, what just... I don't even have a question. Just talk about the Giants in your opinion, because I genuinely don't even know where to start with the question of... What are they doing? Because I've been talking about what are they doing for, it seems like, eight months now. Like we talked pre-pod and like how you tweeted out, the the Giants, in my mind, have acquired the title of the worst-run franchise in the NFL. Um, I always low-key thought that the Bucks were pretty close to being one of the worst-run franchises, but... After seeing what the Giants have done, you take a running back in the top five, and then you don't even go into like full. Let's maximize. Like you, you draft a running back in the top ten because you're ready to win now. Like you're getting that talent because you have. You're missing maybe one or two more pieces from the puzzle, but this running back's gonna either make it so those pieces are less relevant into your success. Or um, it's going to make it's going to make getting those pieces less. Um, like if it's on the O line, if you got if you got Saquon, like you don't have to worry about the O line as much because you have Saquon Barkley. Like he can make a lot on his own as long as you have decent competency up front. But they hold on to Eli Manning, even though Eli Manning has been atrocious um, over the past 
two, three years, honestly. Um, he hasn't been all that great in his um, in his career as a whole, other than when postseason came around. And when postseason came came around, you know, he he's, I mean, Eli Manning's beat the Patriots twice in a Super Bowl. Um, but you, I just look at the Giants, and I just see how much is getting wasted. You go, know, you got they drafted a tight end two years ago in the first round, um, Evan Ingram. So you draft a tight end, you draft a running back, and then you trade away your best player. Um, yet you're trying to yet you're trying to get a roster that's win now. I, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, if they would have kept OBJ and then somehow tried to have swindled their way into getting maybe a Josh Rosen, uh, assuming that Arizona does take Kyler Murray, I would have been a little bit more on board with what the Giants are doing long term. I'm like, eh, okay, you know, get your quarterback. You got a running back. You got some receivers. You got a tight end. You got the skill position guys around them. At that point, you got a franchise tag Collins just to keep him and start getting more pieces around there. Even if you do dump uh, Olivier Vernon, like that's not not the end of the world. Um, <sighs> Giants are frustrating, man. I don't. That's all about. I mean, they signed a 30-year-old Golden Tate to I, a four-year, 37 and a half, 30 years old, and you signed him to a four-year deal, $37.5 million, $9.3, essentially $9.4 million a year, um, and total guaranteed is 23 uh, of that $37 million. Dude, we, so he's getting... Sorry, keep going. I completely forgot something. Just continue. That's just I don't know how you pay a thirty-year-old receiver for four years and guarantee him twenty-three million if you're in the process of trying to win, or if you're if you when you should be in the process of trying to rebuild, as the Browns have done for the past four to six seasons. Here's here's a great stat for you. Not even a stat, great number for you. Giants have twenty-four million. In dead money this year for Beckham and Vernon alone. S- 16. The Browns are paying like $13 million for Beckham this year. Because the Giants are paying $16 million of that. You just like, you sign him for this deal and then you trade him knowing you lose a compensatory pick when you sign Tate. You have to still pay these guys 16 and 8 million respectively just because you don't want them i this this is the most frustrating this is did the browns ever get this bad in decision making coaching yes have they ever been this bad in decision making only at the quarterback position and i think that more speaks to the culture and the organization that was around the Browns more so than their actual decision and who they brought in. Um, but no, it's never... I haven't seen a team dismantle something like this in a long time. Even John Gruden had a plan with what he was doing. Oh, we're getting but, a Johnny G, baby. We're getting a Johnny because everyone everyone except for me was saying, oh, this guy, is, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Well, Looks like Johnny G Note and Mike Mayock know what they're doing because they're doing. They're, I like all their moves out there, man. I really do. We'll get to them. Any final thoughts on the Giants? I mean, here's one thing. I saw this. This will be funny. Say Gettleman was fired right now. Guy comes in. They hire a football guy, GM guy. He has these two first-round picks and the extra third-round pick. Drafts well for the future. Builds a nice team, and the Giants overachieve. Would we have the same... You know, Gettleman died for this as we had Wood with Sashi. When Gettleman did. No the, way. I'm, Sashi didn't draft a running back in the top five. He also. Uh, he got capital for them. All right. He, dra- he did not draft a running back. You know, he, he had the. He, he didn't. He picked, you know, he had the chance to not take Miles Garrett. And if he would have taken a running back that draft, then at that point. Yeah, Sashi. But Sashi, essentially, like you said, died for it. David Gettleman, no. Two years in a row for two different teams, he took a running back in the top 10. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. No, no, not at all. He sucks. He's literally (laughs) the worst. He's literally the worst GM and 
has terrible team management from the top down from the outside looking in like we like everyone does because obviously we're not in the building what are they doing you know you got to think that these nfl teams with all the money that they have and all the people that they have there and all the powerful influences that they have you think that they would have some type of plan but it literally does not look like they have a plan at all i agree with you man i agree with you so let's move let's move out west let's move out to the oakland raiders because they got their guy, to put it lightly. They got their help. They got their Amari Cooper replacement. And that's an Antonio Brown. They traded a third and a fifth-round pick to get the rights to Antonio Brown. Other things they did. We'll get. I'll let you break down all these things. I'll just present the case, present the other options they did. They signed – I want to make sure I get the guy's name right. It's free agents. They signed – Trenton Brown from New England to a record offensive tackle number four years, 66 million, 36 of that guaranteed. They also signed Tyrell Williams to a, I think, three-year deal worth like 40 million, something like that. They got draft picks back. They they signed the Marcus Joyner to a four-year, 42 million dollar deal. Just going through all these lists real quick. So the price tag they got for AB. The help they're giving in Oakland without maintain without and they still have all three of their first round picks. How do you grade? We're not going to go in retrospect. They did get Amari Cooper, get rid of Amari Cooper for a first round pick and turn that into three. This is what's weird in the NFL. Amari Cooper's good, great talent. He's worth the first round pick, and you have to pay him an astronomical number coming up, compared to Antonio Brown who literally has put up numbers of consistency that we have never seen in the NFL for a third and a fifth round pick. That just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I have been one that said all season, we need to see what John Gruden does with these draft picks. How do you think he's done in this offseason so far? Well, he's turned... Uh, he traded away... Um, Amari Cooper and a third and a fifth and in return had, oh yeah. And in return got a first round pick and Antonio Brown. If you told me that that's what they were going to do after the Amari Cooper trade, I would have been like, uh, duh, like duh. Um, I, after I saw them sign Antonio, I was very happy. Um, with it because you know they have the capital um Derek Carr with a talent like Antonio I don't hate um because we saw I saw what Derek Carr can do when he in college when he has a pure number one receiver aka Devontae Adams is who his number one guy was at Fresno um and when you have that type of talent I mean Antonio is just going to be Antonio um and then you have three first round picks And you have three first-round picks this year in a very, very, very deep class. There is so much talent in this draft. Defensively, and to have three too. Defensively. And they need help essentially everywhere. But they have good pieces. You know, they got good talent. Uh, Maurice Hurst in the middle, that D-tackle that they got in the fifth round last year who had the heart condition out of Michigan, he would have been a top 15 pick. He probably would have got picked before Vita Vey if he didn't have those medical conditions. But because of that, he fell that deep. And John Gruden's like, I don't care if he plays one year, three years, or no years. I have to get this type of talent at this type of value. You have Arden Key, a defensive end out of LSU, who would have, again, been a top 10 pick if he wasn't such a schmuck sometimes and didn't <laughs> and took himself seriously. He didn't, take care, he didn't take care of his body in college, but now he's starting, like, I've I, again, I watch a lot of Twitter film, and there are a lot of people that break down Arden Key, and he had a lot of quarterback hurries. He just couldn't figure out how to bring the quarterback to the ground. He was getting there, but he couldn't figure out to get the quarterback to the ground. So, the, and, and yeah, that might not sound great because he can't get him to the ground, but if the process of getting to the quarterback is there, then eventually, over time and with experience, the results are going to be there of getting the quarterback to the ground. So you got good pass rusher, good, uh, good D-tackle. You have... <laughs> 
you have a quarterback, probably average. Uh, you have an average NFL starting quarterback. You got Antonio Brown. You got a ton of cap. Um, let me look and see who else did they. Let me see who else they signed. Lamarcus Joyner. They signed Lamarcus Joyner. They signed uh, Tyrell Williams. They signed Trenton Brown. Um, they made Trent. Uh, they made Trent Brown the highest paid um, offensive lineman ever. Correct. Yes. Um, he's 26 years old. He's on a four year do four year four year deal. So he'll be on the team till 30. But he's pit. He's about to hit the prime of his career. So. Yeah, you might be overpaying. You, yeah, you might be over overpaying him, but that's what happens when you get in the free agency. You pay free agency market price, um, but you shore up a solid left tackle. You get a really, really solid number two receiver in Tyrell Williams, and they have, um, they have a couple decent number threes, number twos, and number threes on their team. Um, I'm blanking on them on him, Seth on Roberts. Him now. They just cut Seth they, Roberts. They just thank cut, you. They just cut Jordy Nelson. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Seth Roberts with Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown is a awesome trio. They got to sign Jared Cook back, too. I don't think they're going to get the numbers for it. Jared Cook's probably going to go to New Orleans. If I'm being honest, they don't need to sign a... Uh, they don't need to because this tight end class is loaded, bro. Loaded. Mm-hmm. The, Raiders are a te- get- the Raiders are a team that can draft that I would not be upset if at their last first-round pick, they drafted, they drafted the best running back available. Because oh, if I they get be... a running back, because they can go defense, defense, and then get a running back with that pick, whoo, whoo, that offense is fun, man. Either running back or even uh, if they get one of the two Iowa tight ends, mm-hmm. Noah Fant or uh, is it Hawk Hickson Hawkman? Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, he has a really long, really, really, really long. Last um, name, I mean. But both of those tight ends out of if they're looking for more of a receiver type, Fance right there. If not, then you can take the other Iowa tight end. I, man, I hate that I'm blanking on his name. Um, but they have Hawkinson. I mean, Hawkinson. I was cl- I was close. Um, he pancakes, dude. Like his film is so much fun to watch because he's just consistently pancaking people in the Big Ten, which is not necessarily an easy conference to pancake people because. Essentially, every team is running the football, um, and those linebackers are typically bigger. Those D line are typically bigger, and he was handling them with ease, um, especially against my Huskers. It was very sad to watch, um, but I respected I respected what he was doing because it was sweet. Um, I, I just tip my I tip my cap to him. So if they even if they went defense defense, and either they go if they, one of those two tight ends is there at their last pick, I would love if they went tight end, went one of those two tight ends, and then to start the second round, they take best running back available, a la a, um, what's, a, I think uh, Justice, I don't think Justice Hill will go that high, but Justice Hill, um, Montgomery would fit well in there. Um, Henderson, Daryl Henderson out of Memphis is still my number one running back. They can get, um, I don't they, care. They'll be able to get him late too. That's the thing though. They'll have a high. Yeah, they, a, this, they, this, they, won't, this, they won't. They won't have that high too because they get that to Chicago. I forgot. No, that's next year's. That's the twenty twenty one. I'm pretty sure. Oh man, let me check that real quick. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it's a twenty twenty pick. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure because I talked to Nino about this because he was a big proponent of that Bears trade. I go, nah, dude. You're banking a lot on the on the Raiders. If the Raiders start winning, then the Bear, then the Raiders are geniuses for trading away that second, or even trading away that second, um, because the because Chicago's banking on the Raiders sucking for that to be a high second. But if the mm-hmm. You're correct. Raiders can some wow, if the Raiders can man. somehow if the Raiders can somehow they, yeah they got what they probably have what four picks in the top forty. Let me check the second round right now. Because if you got four picks in the top forty in this draft, you can completely transform a team, completely transform it. Especially when you add someone like AB, and 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 you bring in a solid left tackle, and you don't have to worry about making that type of adjustment and trying to use it. Because it's not always drafting O line in the first round is not sexy, it's not sexy, but it's essential. Look at what happened for the Colts; they went O line like three out of the past five years. In the in the first round, I know they got Ryan Kelly. They just went Quentin Nelson, and I want to say their uh, the tackle out of Ohio State that they have was a first round pick. Oakland? Um, no, I'm talking about the Colts. Oh, 
I'm, uh, I'm just saying when you draft O line, when you draft O line, mm-hmm. it's not sexy, but it's gonna give you the results that you need. Because if you can win up front, you can yeah. win. You can win with uh, lackluster talent everywhere else. And Oakland did lose Kalichi Os- uh, Osamale to the Jets, so that does hurt their O line a, a lot. But you know they have, they have Brown on the left. They move last year's first round pick Colton Miller to the right. They still got Rodney Hudson, who's the best center in the NFL in my eyes. Um, but they own four of the top thirty five picks. Wow. Which is as impressive of a draft arsenal as one as one has had in a long time. So maybe we think John Gruden's uh, John Gruden's fleeced everyone. Maybe he's like, you know, I understand the this analytics thing of acquiring more picks and getting chances at it because that's what I just don't get. I understand Khalil Mack's awesome, but what did Khalil Mack's defenses do in Oakland? That's the thing that I like. Yes, he was just. He was the biggest cherry on top that one could get in the NFL in terms of pass rushing, which helped the Bears. And he was a complete game wrecker. But the Bears won when Mac didn't play as well. And I, and I know Mac's a Hall of Fame talent and all that. But you got a first, you got two first-round picks. And in a draft class right now, where you're going to be paying Carr and Hudson, and you have some contracts, you're going to have four rookies on rookie deals on top of everything you already have. It is... I, this is... I'm very. It's really panned out for the Raiders. I'm very impressed with them. And they, if they, and they got the. I hate to say it. I think they probably have the. They probably have a top three, top four guy in their draft room making the decisions with Mike Mayock. Mm-hmm. He knows what each team's going to do. His his draft, his mock draft that he would release right before the draft was so accurate. So many years. If he can do that again, and he knows where teams are going to go, they're going to finesse this draft, and it, mm-hmm. they're going to they're starting to move towards playing chess with the Patriots while everyone else is playing checkers. They better hit on their first picks because they don't have a th- they don't have a third round pick at the moment. That's fine. When you got four in the top forty, if you can, you got to hit on three at least three of those four. Mm-hmm. They have one one at- fourth, one fourth, no fifth. And no six and one two sevens. They'll be able to trade up. They can combine those two sevens, move up to two fifteen, all that stuff. They can move up. They can. It's. I. Uh, Draft is a great time, man. And 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 free agency really gets mm-hmm. that whole thing rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're not gonna. We're not gonna. Uh, what's it? They're not gonna catch Kansas City, but I mean, the Chargers could they catch the Chargers? But yeah, the Chargers are unhealthy. They just took away Tyrell Williams, which means everything's going to be focused on Keenan Allen. Can Mike Williams continue to stay healthy and produce that level? Will Hunter Henry be able to stay healthy? There's a that that we'll see how they can hold up. They just lost. They, Verrett hasn't played the last two years, but they just lost Verrett to the 49ers. There's, there. I mean, this thing about it. We're not the biggest Derek Carr fans, but he was an MVP candidate two years ago. Yeah, when you it, put it, the when you have the right tools around him and you mm-hmm. you get him in a good system, he can produce. Yeah. That's yes. what I'm saying. You get him a pure number one receiver, potentially the best number one receiver you could get him in the NFL in Antonio Brown. He's gonna be fine, especially if you can get a decent run game, a decent run game. He's gonna be fine. A B in Oakland is gonna be awesome, man. I love A B. I understand people. And like then soon A B in true. Vegas. He's going to be betting on himself to score so much. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I have truly, I'm truly, uh, I truly enjoy what, um, oh, interesting fact. Uh, oh, no, never mind. I truly enjoy what Oakland's been doing with, uh, Especially, I wish I wish I had the foresight then to not knock them so hard. But the the biggest thing for the Khalil Mack trade is if the Raiders. This is how I'll, this is how I'll view it. If the Raiders can get to five hundred this year, I will view it as a complete success because that means that that second round pick that they gave up will probably be in the mid late forties, early fifties. Um, for the Bears that they gave up. But if they're, again, one of the bottom-of-the-barrel teams probably drafting in the top 10, I will view it as an asterisk um, just because giving up that second-round pick, in my opinion, is still huge. 
to give up. Um, but again, you still you'll have another you'll have two first round picks next year. So it really is hard for me to completely hate on it. But to view it as a total success, they have to go at least eight and eight and be around the fifteen to eighteen mark um, for drafting in the twenty twenty draft. So before we move on to the next thing, I just had a very quick question to you, towards you about this Raiders trade. How confident are you on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being utmost confidence, that the Bears will win the NFC North next year? Before the draft, I'm talking right now, knowing that we're going to get to the, the, the teams that we like a lot and the moves they've done. Mine's the Packers. The Packers. I was, yeah, I was. Um, we can talk all we want about the Lions. They've, they've made some – they're trying to become Patriots, Patriots Midwest up there in Detroit. And more Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones healthy, Carrion Johnson healthy, another year in the defense and the system of what they're going to do. I'm the biggest Lions fan you'll meet that doesn't live in Detroit and has no ties to it. So I'm going to be bullish on that. And, you know, we can talk all we want about the Kirk Cousins hate. They did win that. They did get back into uh, Anthony Barr. Minnesota drafts well all the time. They always draft the cornerback, which is really weird. Cornerback or wide receiver in the first round every year. But – I mean, what is your confidence that the Bears will be re- that that pick won't be in the top fifteen next year, top sixteen? Oh, I would I on a scale of one to ten that I won't be in the top sixteen. Yeah, ten. I'm, I'm I have the utmost confidence that I won't be in the top sixteen. I d- ah man. We're not, we're, I think we're, I wouldn't be surprised again. I wouldn't be surprised if the NFC North gets three uh, next year in the playoffs. With all, see, this is another thing. This all of the balance of power has so quickly shifted from the NFC to the AFC. Just like that, bam! You have Cleveland, sleeping giant, not sleeping giant. They're they're coming. You have Oakland improves massively. Kansas City is still there. New England's still there. The Jets splash out the cash. They're gonna they're gonna be better. Um, the AFC South, top to bottom, is still gonna be solid. It's. This is it's just Chargers are still I mean Chargers, Texans, Ravens. This is such a deep conference that I think it's just now it's kind of proving your point that they're that they will get in, but I mean I'm looking at the top could the AFC could the NFC West get three? Could the Rams get in there? Would Jimmy G healthy do it? Would um who's the, the is Russell Wilson or in Seattle, are they gonna continue to keep improving and make the playoffs again? There's just a lot of very. I don't know, man. I don't have the confidence in the Bears. I really think they're. I think they fall off a cliff. I, I'm saying if you don't have confidence in the Bears, then um, that means that you are putting more confidence in the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Packers, just, just so, Packers. I know, but but Kirk Cousins as well, because that means that you're going to see that the Kirk Cousins is going to give the Vikings trouble. Because otherwise, if not, then that means it's pretty much two dubs for the Bears against the Vikings, and I bet the Packers and the Bears split next year. I think the pa- um, I think Packers go three. I think Bears go three and three in the division. And and you know what you know what the thing is, dude. This is the thing too. Harder schedule. They're gonna have a much more difficult schedule. Let me look at that real quick. We're going completely off base here, but I just feel like this is such an important concept um, idea in the whole Raiders draft pick scenario because yes the bears could end up getting a top half second round pick like in in say 45 and above but the raiders could be could be drafting you know 15 16 back to back and say Derek Carr doesn't pan out they now have two draft picks to trade up in a better quarterback draft class that's just a big if though uh, let me look at this NFL schedule I'll go off tack. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, come on. Okay. All right. We're talking Chicago Bears, right? All right. Yes, sir. Chicago Bears. What's the outside of the division? They have home games against. Oh, my gosh. Isn't this the best, dude? Home games against the Cowboys, Giants. So their teams, their divisions are the NFC East. So they'll play the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, Redskins, the Saints, 
and the Rams are their at-large games, and then their other division is the AFC West. Oh, <laughs> maybe you're right. Here's the thing. They host the Chiefs and the Chargers, so they host the two best teams and have to go play Denver and Oakland, and Denver and Oakland. It is – I don't know, man. I'm not a fan of the schedule and how things are looking out. I will say this um, because I want to put this on record. I think the Bears – let me preface this. Blake Bortles just got cut by Jacksonville, and if Blake Bortles had one job, one – his destiny in the NFL as the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback was to dismantle the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he accomplished that. Yes. Yes. That was his destiny, and he did it, and it's hilarious that he was the quarterback that did it to him, but he did it. But with that being said, I don't think it's far-fetched to say that the Bears are the new Jags. Oh. Great defense. It's pretty solid oh. skill positions around. Not great at the receiver. Decent at running back. Won't be able to get over the hump because of their quarterback situation. Man. Very, very interesting right there. I like that. But I'm not going to do that because we have to get through because we're 40 minutes in. We're doing our typical antics. <laughs> let that float in the, in the atmosphere for a little bit. But we have to move to another member of the team of the Pittsburgh Steelers that was cast astray, and that is Le'Veon Bell, who doesn't get the money he seeked out. He's getting less money than the franchise tender he would have signed and the contract he was offered by the Steelers last year. But he's going to the New York Jets. And Sam Darnold gets some help now. He has Le'Veon Bell, James Crowder. They signed, they splashed out a ungodly amount of money for C.J. Mosley, which is shocking. You're paying C.J. Mosley, let me get the numbers to be 100%. It's five years, $85 million, yes. 17 a year, $51 million guaranteed for a, at 27 years old. For a middle linebacker. He, yep. he better be Ray Lewis. So we'll see. But, yeah, the Jets also acquired Kaliche Austin Malay, which is what I just talked about. So, you know how I feel about the Jets and Darnold. What, you just take your thoughts. Like, did Bell's holdout, is, was Bell's holdout worth it? And is, how do you like the Jets moves this, in terms of, because they, they made it clear we're going to help Sam Darnold. And did they accomplish Honestly, that enough? Honestly, I I have no issue with Le'Veon holding out and doing what's right for him. If the, if they're not going to pay you what you deserve and they're not going to try to stick with you um, when you're sacrificing your body um, and and all they want to like and they're not going to kind of give you that 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 guarantee that you deserve and that you that you have earned, I don't blame him for sitting out, man. Why risk the injury when you don't have to when you know you can get paid in the off season to a team that's going to appreciate you. Um, like I said, even I think even if Le'Veon plays this year, it doesn't really make a big. It, it wouldn't made of that big of a difference, in my opinion, because I think they still would have had their same structural integrity issues that surround Big Ben. So I'm actually happy. Like I like people were like, "Oh, he did not get the money he deserved, dude." He's got he 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 signed a four year, fifty two and a half million dollar deal. Like he's good. Like he got his money. He got paid. Don't tell me that fifty two and a half million dollars. Like not, I'm not he. The real reality of him seeing all of that, not he probably won't see all of that. But he is at least on the he at least be there for two years, twenty six million, getting about thirteen a year. To play running back in the NFL, that's great. That's 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 about as good as you can ask for. I know Todd Gurley was the only one that has made more, but to get out, I think the there are two things that come out of this. One, he got paid. Two or three things. One, he got paid. Two, he didn't get injured last year before he got paid. And three, he got out of Pittsburgh, man. I hate to say it, but if you can't keep if you can't keep your two best offensive talents happy and satisfied, then you got some type of organizational issue, whether it's with the organization, whether they just have beef with Big Ben, whether it's the coaching, like, but if you can't appease two of your best players. You need to look in the mirror and see what's wrong. And I think that's what we're about to see with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So as a whole, very happy for Le'Veon Bell. I'm excited to see what he's going to add to Sam Darnold because 
the Jets had zero running back last year. Zero running backs. Like, to put it into perspective, you didn't really... You didn't really... uh, It was just a revolving door of who was playing and who was not playing all the time. And now Le'Veon Bell is a back that can be out there all three downs, all the time. You can get a spell with him um, with some of the other depth that they have, like in McGuire and whatnot. But as a whole... You push that offense to another level. Um, you give us awesome, probably the best security blanket you can give a quarterback with a check down of Le'Veon Bell um, because teams now have linebackers have to respect him, the dump off game to him, which is going to bring everyone forward. But if you're bringing everyone forward, that could open windows at the intermediate level for Sam Darnold to fit over those linebackers in between those safeties. Um especially if they can um especially if they can strike big with um in my opinion in a big uh in a solid rookie receiver um one or two of them I, I can't really add anything. I, don't I can't really add anything to that. I don't think they're a playoff team. No, no, no. no yeah, they're yeah, still yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, I wasn't they're, saying they're still were, I wasn't saying you're insinuating that either. I I would say Depending on how their draft goes this year, their their draft next year, depending on how their next two drafts go, they could put themselves to be a playoff year come 2020-2021 season. Yeah, that's not that's not too far-fetched at all. No, because and especially if CJ Mosley earns all of the money, all of the $51 million he has guaranteed to his name. If he can earn all those $51 million and Le'Veon Bell can come back and be him. They also added Jamison Crowder, which is such an awesome addition. Um, Cause I think he's going to fit him and Anunwa are going to fit great together. And then if they can get a rookie receiver out there, cause this rookie, this receiver class is so deep. Um, we still got Robbie Anderson. They still got Anderson. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they got they, but like you can add more depth and just get more, you know, more people in that room. Um, I, I, I like what the Jets are doing. Um, it's just, I, I guess at this point, it all is dependent on Sam Darnold's development. But you helped him out tremendously, tremendously by getting Le'Veon Bell. Guess how much money the Jets have spent? They spent the most money in the NFL this season, this off season. Guess how, guess how much? How much? Uh, Go ahead. 198.7 million. You got the cap, you got to splash it, man. That's what you got to do. They got two of the best players in in um They got two Here's the thing with the Jets though. They got two of the best players in the uh in free agency in Le'Veon Bell and CJ Mosley. But yeah. their ba- their safeties are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um between don't tell me their names. Um Jamal Adams out of LSU has been a stud for them. Probably, mm-hmm. honestly, one might be one of the probably this upcoming year is going to be one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the league. Um, I think he's really about to make a name for himself. And then on the other side, I think is it Marcus May, the safety out of Florida. You want confirmation? Please, I'm pretty sure he's starting on the opposite side of them. But they've been awesome. They have been so stellar. They have been running. I, been very, very, very pleased with how the Jets have been acquiring talent, um, and I think they have a real big chance of developing around Darnold and taking them to the next level. Not this year, not next year, but year three. Um, hmm. Potential future hot take. Year three, not this... I think the Jets will be the first... The Jets will be the first team to win the AFC East, not named... The New England oh, Patriots. Marcus May's correct, but I disagree with you because I think it'll be the other New York team. Or the Patriots never lose a division because they sign. Because <laughs> <laughs> Brady sits in a hyperbaric chamber forever and just keeps playing till he's 75 years old. Dude, did you see where? Did you see how the Titans, um, tennis, uh, New England South, I guess you can't say, yeah, New England South in Nashville. They, they outbidded the Patriots for Adam Humphreys. Dude, Adam Humphreys was the perfect New England guy, and they almost had him. They're going to draft Hunter Renfro. That's not, even a, that's not even a question, honestly. Man, he really is the perfect Patriots guy. Yeah. So I had nothing to add about the Jets. 
we have 10 minutes to roll through this stuff. So, really quickly, you predicted it two, a year ago. Foles to the Jaguars. We talked about it extensively throughout the season. What are – I mean, here's, take a little victory lap. Toot your horn. Explain why you like the move so much in the past and how much you like this move right now. Well, I just uh, – it was last year after the playoffs, after um, after Blake Bortles essentially threw away – or after the New England-Jacksonville uh, game. I watched then Blake Bortles threw that game away as much as everyone else doesn't want to agree with me. It's true. He was trash. Um, and I saw what Nick Foles was doing. I knew Nick Foles was going to get paid, and – Nick Foles is ready to take a team to the next level. And if you're telling me that Nick Foles doesn't take Jacksonville to the next level, then I don't know what will. Um, I've seen a lot of kind of Twitter hate uh, about the deal, but I don't really get that because Nick Foles, like they were like, who was competing again? Like who else was going to sign him? I go, that may be true, but I'm always happy for players getting paid, man. Always mm-hmm. happy for players getting paid. They got Jacksonville's going to have a top five defense again. The only reason they didn't their defense wasn't as great last year is because they were always on the field. They had no uh, Jacksonville had no run game, and they can't throw the ball with Blake Bortles. Jacksonville was on the field all the time. Their defense was on the field all the time. Again, if they can hit this, if they can hit their drafts again and have some rookie help splurge them into some success. I love what Nick Foles can do, what he can do to an offense. Obviously, he's learned so much by sitting behind someone like Carson Wentz and then coming in two seasons in a row to try to lead the team to where they need to be. He understands the big picture. AFC South is tough, and he is the third best quarterback, second best quarterback in that division. Behind Andrew Luck, ahead of Deshaun and Mariota. Probably at this point is what I would say. You know, you know where I'm going with that, dude. You know, you won't find a bigger BDN fan than right here. So, I tweeted that out a year ago. Obviously, they kept Foles for another year, but I'm not like I said. Everyone was like, "Oh yeah, Foles to Jacksonville." I was like, "Yeah, I've been thinking of that." That was in my mind. It was like already confirmed that it was going to happen. Um, it was just a matter of reality catching up to where I had my where I had my thoughts at. As narcissistic as that may sound. Um, <laughs> But I love it for Jacksonville because they finally have a reason to cut Blake Bortles. I wish they wouldn't. It, it just emphasizes my point even more so from when they extended Blake Bortles after last year's playoffs. I was just like, that's the dumbest thing you can do because you got to look yourself in the mirror and be like, can Blake Bortles really? What? Like I was thinking about this. For Jacksonville, after they lost in the playoffs last year, they had to have thought, what's holding us back from getting to the next level? And if their answer wasn't, Blake Bortles, which it wasn't because they extended him, you you messed up. And obviously now that they realize he is not the key to their success, it sucks that you, you know, had a uh, a busted top ten pick and you took him. It be like that sometimes. Cut your losses while you can. You got BDN. You got Nick Foles. Let's see what they can do, man. Especially because they're gonna have um, Marquise Lee coming back. Um, Hopefully, Fournette can stay healthy for them. Um, who else? Are, who's else is one of the who? Who was their number one receiver this year? Marquise Lee and who else? Um, Marquise Lee was out the whole season. It was they got D.D. Westbrook. Oh, D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole. Yeah, those two. Those two right there mm-hmm. is a solid base. They don't have Dante Moncrief out there, which is honestly probably for the better. Um, they can get another receiver to kind of help get that offense rolling restock up on some on the D-line because they lost uh, Malik. Malik Jackson, so, yeah. I, I, I love what Jacksonville's doing. It, it, finally, it finally makes my Jacksonville love that I had for last year seem better. Like, I feel I sleep a little better at, at night. Yeah, I wonder what idiot picked him to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> was it, yeah. Was I not mean, I. I don't know who that is. Was um, not, but quickly, was do you, not myself. Do you know who their uh, offense coordinator is? No, John, no, it's some who John DeFlippio, baby. Oh, that's right, dude. Yes, yeah, dude. Yes, yes. I love, 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 love what Jacksonville's done. I think Nick Foles is going to flourish because, yeah, he might not be the most talented quarterback. Yeah, he might not be, you know, Aaron Rodgers, but he knows where to go with the football and when to go it, and he knows how to get there. 
and I know it's not something you can see, but he is a winner, bro. He balls. He has done it two years straight coming off the bench, being that ninth inning relief pitcher. I, oh, I'm ready to see what he can do. I. That's going to be such a tough division for me to pick. But oh my same. I already, I can I, I, I can see that. Gonna I, be Colts. I can, sorry to interrupt you. Ah, I can see them drafting a receiver and a tight end very early in this draft. Oh me too. A big body receiver. I can see them and taking they a chance. Will, they get they will be they will be drafting another running back. Uh yeah, scat back. Scat. I would love a Justice Hill maybe, Devin Singletary maybe. All would right. be down for either of those in Jacksonville. Jacksonville has the number 7 pick. DK Metcalf, if he's still there. I don't want Metcalf. I want Hakeem Butler from Arizona State. That's <laughs> I what, feel that's that. I want, and I want him all the time. But we have four minutes left. A lot of I have. We've only covered a quarter of the piece of paper I have. <laughs> so we just we'll have to leave some stuff for next week. Oh. You won't be there next week unless you can record in mm. Columbia. So we have to, we have this for two weeks. Next week will be NBA Soccer Pod for those uh, diehard NBA soccer fans. And March Madness, oh, I'll play in March Madness, even though I can't even do one on the show because it's going to be released on Saturday. So I'll just react to the Thursday Thursday and Friday action. Anyway, you wanted to talk 49ers. Do you want to talk 49ers or Bucks? Niners. So you want to talk Niners. Okay, so we'll save the Packers and stuff for next time. All right. The floor is yours. 49ers have traded for D Ford, signed him to a five year, I think like $87 million deal. Gave made Quan Alexander the the highest inside linebacker deal until CJ Mosley shattered that one. <laughs> shattered. <Yeah. laughs> Jason Verrett on a one year three point two million dollar deal and Tevin Coleman on a two year deal. So what are your thoughts? Like what what has you perplexed about this? Speed, 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 and more speed. With the, and also with the side of injury report, injury report, injury report. That's the only caveat. If you can keep them healthy, you got yourself a chance. But the idea of getting Tevin Coleman reunited with Kyle Shanahan is a dream. Is awesome. I was actually texting. I was texting Nino, um, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I want to see Tevin Coleman get reunited with Kyle." And I was like, eh, "I don't know. You know, they signed McKinnon last year. We'll have to see how it goes." Um, and then obviously Tevin Coleman went to San Fran. He was like called it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just shout quick, out to you. Quick Nino. side note to McKinnon. McKinnon doesn't have. Remember that contract was front loaded in his first year, so he essentially got paid a lot to do ACL rehab. And he and he yeah, can but, get cut. He may not be on the team. Exactly. They'll have Brita. But that's why I love him and Brita. That's still da- that's still dangerous. And and that's why I love the Tevin Coleman signing because yeah, it sucks that you paid him, you front loaded him, and and he got paid to rehab. But at the same time. You set yourself up nicely with front loading his contract because now you can you had the opportunity to go get Tevin Coleman. Nino called last year for this for the Niners to make the Super Bowl. And I still think they're about a year away from being in that conversation. But I if these guys can stay healthy, mainly Verrett, Quan, and Tevin, you have a shot. And also another thing that I love. Tevin Coleman's only a two-year deal. Jimmy Ward's only a year deal. Jason Verrett's only a year deal. The only yes, Quan was signed for a four-year, fifty-four million dollars. But if he he's coming off an ACL injury, yes, it's tough. But if he can stay health, I know big if. But if he can stay healthy, he's a baller inside linebacker with speed to burn, speed to burn. And honestly, he probably didn't even get. Now looking at those Tampa defenses, him and Levante David didn't even get close to maximizing their potential in those defenses. Not even close. That's because Quan so was injured. It's it's such a interesting dynamic with that. We got a minute, so get- those those are my thoughts on the Niners. I'm excited I'm if they're taking high risks on these players, but if they hit, holy moly, they, they hit the they have the potential to hit the jackpot. They really um, and I think and, and I think Kyle they're the biggest they're gonna be the team this offseason that I'm gonna look at and be like, wow, either they're gonna be so good or they're gonna fall, 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 fall hard, um, because they got a lot of guys coming off injury, including their quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, including who, their quarterback Jimmy G. If he's healthy, this this team's good. This team is really good, really good, really fun, all that. If not, man, it could be another ugly year where they have a lot of wasted talent on that team. But yep, 
I mean, we have so much to get to, and we just crossed the hour threshold, which means it's, it's our time to go. We only have an hour today. There's Canada Junior National Baseball Team. It's on at 105. Joe, the guy who runs the station, said that he wants to do some testing and stuff. So I got to go. But, I mean, we're going to get to – and whatever happens from now until the, uh, March 28th – God, we're so close to Game of Thrones. Um, we'll have – Tennessee's moves, Honey Badger and Tyron Matthew to Kansas City. I want to talk about the Packers. We completely 100% nailed the Teddy Bridgewater sweepstakes down to a T. Perriman and Deion Buchanan to Tampa Bay, both moves we like. Baltimore got Ingram, Mark Ingram, and Earl Thomas. Trey Flowers and Danny Amendola to Detroit. We're missing a bunch of other stuff. There's still Dom Kung Su and plenty of other free agents to get signed. There's just so much to get to right now. So, Noah, safe travels to your homeland in Columbia. And we'll talk. Thank in two you, my weeks. lord. I appreciate that. Survive the jungle, man, because we have a lot more to talk about. Can't wait till we get back to it. Thanks for having me on, Michael. As always, and everyone, this is the Firm Podcast on the Radio St. Pete Network. Have yourself a good weekend.